uh, so continue to keep up on your reading. But say all of that to say, here we go, continuing our 52 Greatest Stories series this morning. And again, we are using the, the weekly devotional, and, and with that, that's our guide. Our, the Bible is our foundation. We're using the titles from our, our um, companion book to title our messages um, as we go along. It helps people that are tuning in online to be able to pick up, oh, yep, this goes, this is the corresponding message with this chapter. And today's message is titled Unfaithful, Unfaithful. And this morning, we're going to be in the book of Hosea. I must say, we are not going to have the scriptures up on the screen because I'm not even sure what scriptures God's going to direct me to use yet. And so I've got an idea, but I just didn't put it together thinking it may or may not happen that way. Um, But with that, you can turn there if you want. We'll get there eventually. And if you're looking for it, it's between Daniel and Joel in the Old Testament. And, And in this time of Hosea, It's about 200 years after the kingdoms divided. So the northern kingdom of Israel has been in existence for 200 years now. And they didn't start off on a very good note because right away they started worshiping other gods. And 200 years later, they've just continued to drift away from God. As we learned with with Amos, Um, They looked at their prosperity and they felt that God's favor was upon them because they were prospering, they were expanding their borders. And the reality is, is prosperity doesn't mean that you have God's favor. And the northern kingdom, certainly it wasn't because of God's favor. God was supplying those things, um, but it doesn't necessarily mean that he, uh, he was honoring what they were doing when they were um, worshiping other gods. Hosea is a later contemporary to, to the prophet Amos. This is just continuing that line. The nation continues to drift away from God. They had their hearts not only turned to other gods, but now they have also moved into relying on other nations. Um, they've turned to Assyria, thinking that Assyria is going to help protect them militarily instead of relying solely on God for that protection. And so God calls Hosea to be his mouthpiece. And he always, God that is, is always using prophets during this time to turn their, the people's heart back to himself. That's why he sends these messages. And and as God calls Hosea to be his mouthpiece, he's really asking Hosea to what we would view as going above and beyond the call of duty. Because God instructs Hosea to go and marry a prostitute. Now you'd think, well, that does not line up with God's moral standard at all. And that's true. And, and at this time, if you look at, at various commentaries on it, some will say that it's not that Hosea actually married someone who was practicing prostitute at that time, although it is possible. It's just that Hosea's wife was eventually going to drift away from him and enter into that lifestyle. But Hosea is told to go and marry a woman who would be more or less prone 
to that kind of lifestyle, to devote himself to a promiscuous wife, one that would end up conceiving children with other men. Hosea was to marry this woman who would take his faithfulness and his love, his full devotion to her for granted, and to trample his good name in the mud of the red light district is about the summary of what God was asking Hosea to do. And it would lead us to ask the question, why would God ask that of a man, of a godly man, of a, a prophet who was devoted to honoring his God? And in chapter 1, verse 2, um, it, it, God's word tells us, it says, when the Lord first began speaking to Israel through Hosea, he said to him, go and marry a prostitute so that some of her children will be conceived in prostitution. And here's why. This will illustrate how Israel has acted like a prostitute by turning against the Lord and worshiping other gods. That's the reason that God had asked him to do that. And so Hosea obediently goes and, and marries this woman named Gomer, knowing from the very start that she was going to stray, that, that she wasn't going to take seriously their, their marriage vows of total commitment and loyalty to her husband. You know, and I have in my notes here relatable experience. And I find that very interesting, and maybe you saw it during worship, that Joyce came up and put her arm around me and she whispered a few words um, before she went back to her seat, and she said, Diane and I know what you're going through. And, and I, if you think about that, God gives us life experiences. And, and so it's that we can relate to other people when they're going through those things. And it might be a wonderful experience, you know, that you, you've, you've just had a baby and and somebody comes alongside you that's also had a baby and they encourage you and they walk with you and, and they know what you're going through because they too have experienced that. And it builds that bond because you can relate to one another. And it might be a difficult time as well. Maybe you know, you've gone through a, a health challenge or a financial crisis and you've You've walked through that and then you see somebody else who's maybe going through something like that and you can relate to them. You know, you can walk in their shoes. You can have empathy for them because you know what they're going through. And that's why God had asked Hosea to experience on a personal level the unfaithfulness of a wife so that as God had called him to speak to the nation of Israel, he was going to be able to relate to what it was that God was experiencing, what God was feeling in the unfaithfulness of the nation because Hosea was going to experience that on a personal level with his wife. And so just as Hosea's wife Gomer was unfaithful to him, so the nation of Israel had been unfaithful to God. Israel's idolatry was like adultery. They sought illicit relationships with Assyria and Egypt in pursuit of that military might. And so they also mixed that with Baal worship, with the worship of God. And God's covenant relationship with his people called them to love the Lord with all their heart, all their soul, all their strength, just as Vicki said this morning. 
They were not to have other gods. They were not to rely on other nations. But the people had been unfaithful, just as Gomer would be unfaithful to Hosea. The first three chapters of Hosea give us Gomer's unfaithfulness and Hosea's faithfulness in spite of his wife's unfaithfulness. The, uh, the law would have given uh, Hosea the right to divorce his unfaithful wife, but he chose not to. He chose to love her in spite of her unfaithfulness. And then the, the rest of the book, there's 14 chapters, the, the rest of the, the chapters go and, and oscillate back and forth between God's um, basically judgment, the charges that he brings against the nation, and then back to him wanting to restore them and to love them in spite of their rebellion. And so that's kind of the short and skinny on, on the whole book. God is disciplining the nation, wanting them to turn their hearts back to him. And in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 5 through 9, God's word says this, Have you forgot the encouraging words God spoke to you as his children? He said, My child, don't make light of the Lord's discipline, and don't give up when he corrects you. For the Lord disciplines those he loves. And he punishes each one as he accepts that he accepts as a child. We know that a good father disciplines his children. Why would we think anything less of our heavenly father who is so much, um, I mean, he's a perfect father. He's going to discipline his, his children. God loves us with a father's love. And so he's going to discipline us just as he was disciplining the nation of Israel. Like Gomer and the nation of Israel, we too can fall into chasing after other loves. Maybe it's love of power or pleasure or money. It might be recognition. And the temptations of this world can be very seductive. God's faithfulness, or God is faithful, though, in spite of man's unfaithfulness. And so the book of Hosea is, is all about God demonstrating that faithfulness, that unending love, in spite of his children turning away from him. There came a time where Gomer, Hosea's wife, had gone so far into this life of prostitution, so much of, of seeking fulfillment in all these other relationships that she ended up getting herself into slavery. And if you think about that, in that kind of lifestyle, it's very easy for someone to fall into that, um, even in this day and age with the sex trade for for people to, to get sucked into where they basically become a slave. And that's where Gomer ends up finding herself. And in all of that, um, God had said to, to Hosea, I'll, I'll read it from, from the scriptures here, in chapter 3, if you've got your Bibles, you want to follow along, chapter 3, verse 1, he said, 
Then the Bible says, so then the Lord said to me, go and love your wife again. She had gone so far down this road, but yet God's saying, go love your wife again, even though she commits adultery with another lover. This will illustrate that the Lord still loves Israel, even though the people have turned to other gods and love to worship them. So I bought her back for 15 pieces of silver and five bushels of barley and a measure of wine. I think about our, our day and age, and sure, it does happen not necessarily buying someone who has committed adultery on their spouse back with finances, with gold and silver. But some will receive um, their wayward spouse back. But a lot of times, the other person just says, good riddance, I'm not going to trust you again. I just want to be gone, done with that. You've embarrassed me. But Gomer actually went and paid money, valuable finances in order to bring his wayward wife back, to free her from that life of slavery. And just as Hosea went after his unfaithful wife, purchasing her out of slavery in order to bring her back, likewise, of course, we know that the Lord pursued his people through the words spoken through the prophet, demonstrating that the Lord still loves even though the people turned to other gods. And if we think about it now, of course, with all the hindsight of the New Testament that we have, we see that God is still doing that today. As he sent his son Christ to, to buy us back from the slavery of sin so that we could be set free. God loved us even when we didn't love him. God was faithful to us even when we were unfaithful to him because God loves us with an everlasting love even when we turn away even when we sin Hosea chapter 6 verse 6, six says I want you to show love not offer sacrifices I want you to know me more than I want burnt offerings and I really believe that the greatest way that we can show love for God is to receive the love that he offers us. Of course, first and foremost with receiving his love that he poured out on the cross that we would be set free. But just every day he wants to pour out on his, his love on us. And, and sometimes I think we get too busy to just sit and let him pour his love into us. Sometimes we get so busy with doing for him that we don't spend time with him. His love is tender. It's loyal. Even in those times of discipline, his love is tender and loyal. It's unchanging and undying. No matter what it is that we do, God loves us. He may not love what we do, but he loves us with an everlasting love. But he does expect us to be holy as his children. It grieves his heart, as it grieved his heart with this nation of, of Israel, the northern nation, that they had drifted away from him and that they weren't 
being the people that he had called them to be. They weren't living lives of holiness. And just as he called them to live lives of holiness, he also calls us to live lives of holiness. And I'm going to read just a little bit from our companion book on this because I think this is really important for us to know. Because when we talk about holiness, we can sometimes think, whoa, I don't know what that all means. It can make us uncomfortable. And so I just want to explain a little bit. The author writes, the concept of holiness brings all sorts of images, mostly negative. Smoke and incense, burning sacrifices, strict, strict, regimented, joyless lifestyles. These are the kinds of things we often associate with being holy. But holiness simply means being set apart for God's purposes. It involves abstaining from things that pollute and strive after things that purify. But this is the most important thing. Holiness isn't the end. It's a means to a greater end. We're called to be holy so that God can work among and through us to accomplish his purposes. Holiness matters because God doesn't just take our sin seriously. He takes it personally. Our sin is an offense to him, not because God is touchy or oversensitive, but because it adulterates our covenantal relationship with him. You see, sin doesn't just merely break God's law. It breaks his heart. He knows that sin saps our spiritual strength. It robs us from experiencing the abundant life that he has for us. In John chapter 10, verse 10, the Bible says the thief's purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. But God's purpose is to give us a rich and satisfying life. See, God longed that the northern kingdom of Israel would see the path of destruction that they were on, that they had gotten off track, how they had squandered the abundant life that he desired for them. They had allowed themselves to become enslaved to other nations, other gods, and the wayward desire for leisure. If you look at the book of Amos, that's what Amos was addressing. We touched on that. The people had wanted the easy life. God does give us times of leisure. It's okay to enjoy a vacation or a day off. It's okay to do that. But God doesn't want us to think that this life is supposed to just be easy and carefree. In chapter 14, God lays out those things that he wanted to give his people, but they had to respond first. And I'm just going to read part of, of chapter 14. It says, Return, O Israel, to the Lord your God, for your sins have brought you down. Bring your confessions and return to the Lord. Say to him, forgive all our sins 
and graciously receive us so that we may offer you our praises. Assyria cannot save us, nor can our war horses. Never again will I say to the idols we have made, you are our gods. So God is laying that out, helping the nation of Israel through Hosea's words to see that they, they needed to confess, repent, which means just turn the other way. They needed to stop relying on others instead of relying on God. They needed to recognize that what they were doing was breaking the heart of their God and separating them from him. Continues on with never again will we say to the idols we have made, you are our gods. No, in you alone do the orphans find mercy. And then the Lord responds with, then I will heal you of your faithlessness. My love will know no bounds, for my anger will be gone forever. I will be to Israel like a refreshing dew from heaven. Israel will blossom like the lily. It will send roots deep into the soil like the cedars of Lebanon. Its branches will spread out like beautiful olive trees as fragrant as the cedars of Lebanon. My people will again live under my shade. They will flourish like grain and blossom like grapevines. They will be as fragrant as the wines of Lebanon. God's wanting to give them the abundant life. To restore that life of abundance back with him. You see, although God disciplines his people for sin, he encourages and restores those who have repented. True repentance opens the way for a new beginning. God forgives and he restores. Unfortunately, the northern kingdom of Israel did not repent after receiving the Lord's discipline through the prophet Hosea. They continued down that road. They ended up getting um, taken into captivity. They squandered the abundant life with spiritual adultery, exchanging it for that instant gratification, which only left emptiness and destruction, stopping that life-giving flow of the blessings of God. But there's still hope for those that will turn back to God. And eventually, um, when some of those people were taken into captivity, they probably did turn back to God, um, as we'll probably discover further on. But um, no loyalty, achievement, or honor can compare to loving our God. Nothing can fill that hole in our hearts but God. And God is willing to forgive us when we come back to him. And so as we look at the book of Hosea, we see that God loves or disciplines those he loves. He points out our sins. And of course, we, having received Christ as our Savior, have the Holy Spirit dwelling within us. And part of the Holy Spirit's work is to convict us of our sin. To help us to see that we're on the wrong track and get us back again as we repent and confess our sins. 
we also see, of course, that God's love for us is everlasting. And that our sin not only breaks his law, but it breaks his heart. And so I want us to ponder this morning, where are you at? Are you experiencing the abundant life that God has for you? Now that doesn't mean that you're going to live a prosperous life in the world's eyes. And the abundant life for each of us is going to probably look a little different. But if you don't have God's peace in your life right now, there's something hindering you from experiencing abundant life. If you don't have fellowship with the Lord, there's something that's hindering you from the abundant life. If something's holding you back from moving forward into whatever it is that God has for you, you can sense that in your spirit. Something's hindering you from that abundant life that God has for you. Real quickly, I there's a section in the book of Hosea that points a finger at the priests, the leaders of the nation spiritually. When the people sinned, the priests benefited. And I think about that in the context of our day and age. And there's a lot of preachers that will say the nice, or the, the things that, that leave their congregation feel nice and warm and fuzzy because the people will come back. And the people will come back with their tithes and their offerings. I don't want to be the kind of pastor that just leaves you with warm, fuzzy feelings. I want to be the kind of pastor that will be the mouthpiece for God, that will raise us up to who it is that he wants us to be. So that we don't squander that abundant life that God has for us with spiritual adultery. If you're looking to something else instead of God to fulfill your needs, I'm talking broad picture here, you might be experiencing spiritual adultery. Are you looking for someone else to fill those needs that only God can? Are you looking to your finances to give you the security that only God can? All of these things can quickly be taken away. We've got to rely on the Lord. Can you bow your heads with me? I pray that God spoke to your hearts this morning. If you are in that place where you are feeling like, wow, I'm not where I should be. I'm not feeling connected to God. I am struggling on, I do rely on, on my finances or my position or other people instead of God. If that's you this morning, I encourage you to spend some time with God. Whether it be with the prayer team this morning, whether it be you just need to take a few moments after service and just say, God, I, I'm sorry. 
I repent from my sin of trusting in, and you fill in the blank. I want to turn from that and turn back to you. God is faithful and just to forgive our sins and cleanse us with his righteousness. And so if that's you this morning, know that God is faithful and he'll hear your earnest cry to be back on track with him. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you send your Holy Spirit to dwell within us, those that believe and trust in who you are, that you gently correct us, opening our eyes to see where we've gotten off track with you, that we can come back to you with hearts of repentance and great sorrow and, and say, God, we're sorry, and you get us back on track. Lord, you have a great expectation that your people will be holy. You command us to be holy, to be set apart, to not fall into the things of this world, but to be holy, devoted to you. Holy Spirit, help us to live lives that are set apart. Give us the power to walk in your ways. We can't do that without you. Help us to spend time with you, Lord, in your word and in prayer, that, that we receive edification, that we receive encouragement to continue to live a set-apart life, that we would honor you and not drag your name through the rug, mud as, as we go through this life, but, Lord, that our lives would be in accordance to your precepts, to your standard. Lord, help us to live holy lives so that the world will see you when they look at us. Lord, we thank you for loving us. In those times where we're unlovable, you still love us. When we're unfaithful, you're still faithful. Lord, we thank you for that. And God, if there is anyone among us today that does not have that relationship with you, Lord, I pray that you would speak to their hearts and that you would pour out your love on them and through the power of your Holy Spirit that you would draw them unto yourself. Lord, we thank you for your faithfulness. You are good and gracious to us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Have a great week. And again, prayer is available.